0: Okay, everybody, let's talk trades. The trade deadline in the NBA is, as of this moment, as of this recording, about 160 hours away. Will the Jazz use that motivation to get something done here as February 8th approaches? Here to talk about it with me is Ken Clayton. This is Dan Clayton, the associate editor of saltcityhoops.com, here on a Salt City Hoops podcast. And Ken, one guy that the Jazz are not getting this trade season is Nikola Mirotic. uh The news broke today that he is headed for the Big Easy after New Orleans finally relented and said, "Okay, opt him into that second season so that he's uh, so that he doesn't have veto power over the trade." So Miritich who wanted Utah, is headed to New Orleans.
1: Yeah, it was a lot less dramatic or uh, or uh, heart wrenching, uh, but it reminded me just a little bit of the. Uh, yeah. July 4th last year where we found out he, there was a guy who we wanted who who people thought they wanted among jazz fans And then he was gone and then is he really he's gone? back and we and we hung around for a day thinking Oh now it now clearly this is probably just going to get done by the deadline And then it happened the way we originally thought it uh, was going to happen What was that was that just yesterday morning or was that Tuesday morning? I, I don't recall.
0: Uh, but, I don't know. Uh, They're all days Yeah, exactly it was the, it was the end of a day in January, um, is yeah. what I remember. It was cold in New York right. City the day that it all happened. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, by the way, it's it's um, let's not pretend it's not a blow, right? Dennis Lindsay had said that the idea was to find a a shooting big man, a, a guy over six ten who could hit forty percent. On his, you know, from the three-point line, and w- however literal he was being with that, there are only so many guys that fit that description, and are more or less, you know, starter quality or high-level rotation players. Um, but you know, Meritic was available in January, and and actually being held out of games because the Bulls had to get rid of him because of some team. G- like he has some flaws, or else he wasn't kind of hanging out there for a fire sale. Um, so I don't know. How do you, how do you, how do you think the jazz, um, react? Like, do you, like, do you think this is devastating? How did you see Nicola, um, fitting in and now, and now not fitting in? Like what kind of an impact do you think that'll have on the jazz's strategy?
1: Well, I, two or three questions there. I, I think this is a, you know, this is a guy they were potentially after very interested in. I doubt he was the only uh, line they had going there. Um, and you know, maybe he was their number one guy, but I'm sure they have a an option two and an option three as well. I think he was an intriguing fit. I think the the reason why I think fans probably jumped on the bandwagon very easily is this is the Utah Jazz, and we with whether it's always. Uh, uh, what's the word i'm looking for not deserved but whether it's re- you know with, whether it's true or not we always get a little bit of a persecution complex but here we had a guy who said he was intrigued by Utah he was intrigued by Quinn Snyder he apparently wanted to come to Utah so i think fans got on that bandwagon a little bit when it boiled down to it and you really take a look at him you know he he is what you said he's probably not a full-time full-fledged starter guy but he's a he's a borderline starter uh, a, a a guy who's going to play a good, well in a role, probably on the court with Gobert, he he seemed like a good match of that, but there's no way that he was going to. I mean, I mean, I don't think he was going to, you know, be a potential All Star or anything like that. So it's it's not a devastating blow in my opinion. But uh, you know, if he was their top option, then you know, I'm sure it, it hurts a bit. But they move on to, to to Plan B, and I'm quite certain that Dennis Lindsay has one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, here's I think the reason why he made sense beyond the fact that he that he liked Utah, and was intrigued about playing in in Quinn Snyder's system, um, even though it's a little moot now. But hell, let's go there. Um, he, I think he's different from some of these other guys on the list of you know big men who shoot. In that, um, I think I think his gravity is different. I think he impacts the game a little bit differently than a guy who shoots 40% because he gets open shots because guys are helping. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, Mike Muscala or Patrick Patterson, another guy that I have actually historically liked quite a bit. Um, I, I realize he's he's on a team that doesn't use him a lot, and he had an, a knee problem over the summer, so it's hard to tell how much of his fall off is that or the other thing. But, but someone like Patrick Patterson, you know, can hit open shots, and that's why he shoots thirty-nine percent from three. Someone like Nikola Mirotic, guys know where he is as soon as he crosses mid court. Guys keep track of him. They they help off him because sometimes you have to, to in order to defend, you know, actions on the court. In order to defend the pick and roll, in order to um, be a defensive team with game plans, like sometimes you make tough decisions about where to help from. Um, so I'm not saying he he never gets. He never gets left or he's always guarded, but he just is someone that commands a different type of attention. I'm not sure there are a lot of dudes left on this list that really fit that, um, you know, that that fit that criterion. But then had the Jazz traded, you know, Favors away and brought Miritich in in the same deal or in separate deals, like there still would have been nights that Jazz fans said, dang, I, I wish Derek Favors was still around.
1: Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, because on a on a given night, even when the shot is falling, there's going to be a different matchup, and you're going to wish you had the Derek Favors profile of a power power forward. Um, I mean, we saw games like that too, when Jazz played New Orleans a few weeks ago. Um, you know, they they you wish they had two real bigs, and instead they were making do. That was when Gobert was still out, so they were making do with Favors. One good. But then they were making do with the second one being whoever was playing that night, Jerebko, or, or, or uh, you know, and I'm sure Udo was in there at the time if Gobert was out. But yeah, it's there. There will be, would have been nights, I should say, where yeah, you you think, okay, this isn't working so well. What boy Favors would look really good, but and but you know, the the Mironage deal wasn't necessarily um, linked to Favors leaving. There was some possibility they could have brought the one in and kept Favors. For the rest of the season, not long term, probably, but we'll never know now. So, yes, yeah. the 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 what is it? The Montenegrin slash Spaniard is not coming to Utah.
0: I know the 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 Clayton brothers are always pro Spaniards coming to Utah. <laughs> Miritich is an adoptive Spaniard, or, or not even adopt. I mean, it's his adopted country. He's a naturalized citizen of Spain, uh, which I assume he did for career furthering reasons, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing. So so after Miritich is um, is now off the board for Utah, um, there there's kind of the way you put it earlier when we were talking was there's kind of a clean slate because we don't know exactly what the Jazz are up to. I mean, we can surmise, we can, we can guess on some names, and obviously a lot of fans have guessed on names. There aren't a ton of very concrete rumors out there, um, you know, of of other targets. I think it was Kevin O'Connor who. Um, who mentioned that Detroit is really interested in Rodney Hood and is trying to pique the Jazz's interest in a deal involving Stanley Johnson. Um, Stanley is a former top 10 pick. Um, He's not a shooter. Um, In fact, he's a pretty bad three-point shooter, although in his first two seasons he averaged like 36 or 37% from the corners. So maybe the Jazz would say, hey, at least that's a starting point. He was a lottery pick because... Um, he's got some really neat physical tools, and because he's a great defender, um, so the you know, the jazz could do something like that. But outside of Stanley, I just i I don't know um, you know what names are on Dennis Lindsay's whiteboard right now uh, unless you've got some um hot rumors I haven't seen or or ideas
1: no, and I, and the problem I think with Stanley Johnson is, Again, according to what Dennis Lindsay says, they're looking for a more of a six nine six ten plus guy who can shoot from there. Not only can Stanley Johnson not shoot from there, but he's he's not that large. So well, sure, he, but... he's 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 probably going to fit a different a, a different profile they're looking for if they're looking at him at all. And and I have a couple thoughts on him for later. But uh, we, but you know, we'll. I I don't know that he fits in that same category as as the the role they were looking for for Meredith.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, in that construct, I think you're trading for him because if you're moving Rodney and, you know, Tabo's out for – Tabo Cephalosha's out for the season who um just mostly transitioned him to the four because of some things they saw on the defensive end. But, um, you know, he's a part-time wing and – um And if Donovan's going to see more minutes at the once, like, you know, at some point you need some wing minutes as well, unless you're just going to go full Alec Burks and Royce O'Neal to to close the season in these last 30 games. Um, So I guess I guess I'm talking about Stanley Johnson in the hypothetical that they've done another deal to address the big man thing or decided to write it out with favors, by the way, which. Uh, you know, I still don't think is extremely likely, but probably the chances of that went up today with Nicola coming off the board. Like now there's a scenario where you can imagine that they end this, they end the year with favors, which by the way, wouldn't hurt me. You know, wouldn't hurt my feelings personally. Like I think, um, you know, whether or not they re-sign him, um, I'm not one of those people who, who says you always have to get value back while you can. I think there's also value to be had and letting a contract expire and and I won't go into that, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, they might trade for Stanley and trade for a big, they might not be interested in Stanley at all. And I, and I guess that's the point I was making is we, we kind of don't know. Um, we could, we could talk, I guess, about some of the, some of the targets that fans have been talking about and suggesting, but you had thought it might be a more interesting route to talk about it from the jazz end and look at, um, the players who we think are most likely to be outgoing rather than incoming.
1: Yeah, I my thought was this is really just a public service. Not I'm probably giving us way too much credit, but you know, a lot of people inflate the worth of jazz players. Actually, some also deflate the worth of jazz players. Sure. So I thought it might be useful to talk about you know we you and i both have that list of four names that we think are the most likely to be shopped and you've said and i pretty much agree with this that i think two out of those four w- will be gone we don't know which of the two which which two out of the four um but you know talking about those guys as far as what type of return would the jazz potentially get for those players not not in player names but as far as what what type of an asset are the jazz going to get back or lack of asset in some cases when you take on a bad contract. Sure.
0: Yeah. So, so my bold or not so bold prediction that I made at the halfway point of the season is that I said that at least two and possibly all of, um, of Derek favors, Rodney hood, Joe Johnson and Alec Burks would be moved by the deadline. Um, obviously there are different reasons that led me to predict that for each of those four. Um, and we can get into that a little, um, but yeah, let, I mean, let's let's dive in. Let's, um, you know, obviously, well, let's,
1: let's yeah, let's start with Joe Johnson because I understand this is breaking news. I want you to know that he's angling, angling behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, angling. He's he's in a dark room, and he's trying to prepare his escape this, from
0: Utah. This is wait. It's an a, it's a it's a room escape. So is he hanging out with what? Steph?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's hanging out with the warriors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, um, I imagine cigar smoke in this room. Oh, um, of course. We're, we're making a lot of jokes that will be funny to people who have followed jazz news closely this week. Um, the the angling is based on Mark Stein's report this morning. Mark Stein of the New York Times reported that veteran scorer Joe Johnson is angling behind the scenes to get a trade out of Utah. And by the way, there might not be anything technically untrue about that. I bristled at the no. at the language because it makes it sound like he's sneaking around or like he's you know trying to exert some influence and and dun, 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 yeah dun, dun, dun.
1: and and you got the... Mission Impossible if you can't recognize that over the
0: over the interwebs and that's just not uh, that's just not happening. Yeah, he's not dropping down on a on a cable like Ethan Hunt. He's um you know the Jazz are working with him to try. He's. Sun- Joe Johnson is a 36-year-old who a year and a half ago signed on to help a team that was supposed to be kind of a nascent contender, not like a contender contender, but like a team that was going to start to be relevant. That's not what the Jazz is that what the Jazz are anymore. And so they're trying to help him find a way to go help a team, you know, win playoff games.
1: Well, and, all, and also he's Slowed and has been struggling for the most part this year. He's had a few decent games recently so it just makes sense from the jazz perspective to Give some of those minutes to somebody else if they can as long as they can make him happy and send him on and make sure they're not creating ill will between him and and uh, The organization that would you know that, that could affect other free agents down the
0: line That was a very gentlemanly way of saying what you just said
1: Yeah so because I, like I mean, Joe has been
0: kind of bad at times lately too, you know well, what I
1: mean? Yes, he he has been. Well, no, I think he has been mostly bad. I, I think I said that, but th- recently he's had a few games where he's you know carried his weight. Let's put sure. it that way. Sure. Um, but you know, going all the way back to when when he signed, um, he I, I think I've told you this before. The day he signed, I my first thought was. Is there another Joe Johnson I'm not aware of in the league? Because I could not imagine that Joe Johnson with his you know, and I don't think he was a perfect player in his career, but I but I could imagine that Joe Johnson having signed in Utah. Um and but he has been not only was he did he have his great moments in you know in the playoffs and I think he was a good mentor for some guys, um, but I, I think he's just been a hundred percent a professional and I don't think this the idea that he's doing anything untowards behind anybody's back is happening at all. I mean, just the fact that he whether he's angling or whatever we want to call it, and he's still at the stars game last night, this is a guy who's who's definitely um a part of this organization until he's not. And that's that's a cool thing that that he is doing it that way.
0: Yeah. Um I, I think he will be playing for another team before February is out. I don't know if the jazz will trade him. Um, It sounds like if they don't, then they're, they, they kind of have plan B is, um, you know, he'll agree to take less salary. He'll get a buyout. They'll, they'll cut him and he'll go sign somewhere else as a free agent. Um, Because other people know that because the NBA knows that um, they're not going to give up anything of value to acquire Joe Johnson unless they just need his salary in a deal to Matt, you know, like, like if the jazz trade Rodney hood for someone that's making an eight figure salary, they need another salary with Rodney hood to make it equal roughly eight figures. So yeah, like that is, I think what the jazz will try to do over the next six and a half days. Um, and if that doesn't happen, I, I think he'll get a buyout, but he's the, he's the one jazz man who I think we can confidently say, um, that he will, you know, after the all-star break, he will be flying to some other city to resume play in the NBA this year.
1: Yeah. And that's absolutely most likely, you know, um, I think he could, you know, be involved in some sort of trade, but it's not going to be a trade that's going to bring back what we'd normally call an asset or, or if it did, it would also come with a, Bad contract. I mean, nobody. So Joe Johnson makes ten point five million dollars. So we got to get something back in that ballpark. We're not going to get a ten point five million guy who's playing great and and developing or whatever. You're going to get back a guy or guys who somebody else is done with, and you know maybe best case or 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 a guy who somebody's done with and a second round pick. But that's about it. You're not going to get much because teams will take the chance on maybe we can pick him up in the in the, on the, uh, buyout market.
0: Well, sure. But uh, unless again, you know, maybe a team that's
1: attached to somebody else. Right.
0: Right. If there's a team that tie on Rodney hood and has a guy who they know that they're not going to be able to pay going forward, even though he's a semi good basketball player, um, you know, a, a high level rotation player, um, maybe even a, you know, someone who starts some games, whatever. Um, you know, Hood plus Joe Johnson or Hood plus Joe Johnson and a pick might get you in that conversation and you need Joe Johnson there for for salary reasons. So um, that's the, that I think is the best case scenario for the Jazz in a Joe Johnson deal where the return is nice because of what he is, um, what he's attached to. Not, not that it's nice because a team, because, because by the way, first of all, let's assume that The the, the field of teams that wants Joe Johnson's help for the stretch run is narrowed to playoff teams, okay? So you're talking about 16 to 18 teams that have a legit shot at the playoffs right now. Maybe a little bit more, but it's January. It's February. There are still people who probably believe in their chances. So you got maybe 20 teams that think they have playoff playoff hopes. Um, What percent of those 20 teams have, you know... Can afford to pay Joe Johnson. Can afford a 10.5 million dollar cap hit for Joe Johnson, especially when the alternative is wait a couple of weeks and you can sign him for a prorated veteran minimum. the 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 prorated vet minimum the the vet minimum would cost a team 1.5 million and they would only pay about a third of that. So I mean, just the math doesn't make right. sense for Joe Johnson to wind up on a contender that way. In fact, I think what's most likely is. He, If the Jazz do trade him, it's not even to the team that wants him for the stretch run. I think wherever he winds up after February 8th, that's the team that cuts him so that he can go sign for Cleveland or whoever um, at the minimum. So that's my prediction anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, unless he's bundled with somebody else, and they and that and that somehow actually does get to the team that that will take him for a stretch run, but more because of the other, more because of the hood or the favors or whoever he's he's going with, and it's more likely to be hood in that case because hood has the smaller salary, and his value should be higher than what his salary would indicate because he's still in the rookie deal.
0: Well, let's do hood next then. Okay. Um, hood is another of the. What do
1: you What do you think? Go ahead. Yeah, what do you think you're gonna get back from Hood? Um, you know, I've been
0: digesting the the words from the Salt Lake Tribune's Tony Jones on this topic. Tony thinks there's a real market for Hood. Um, and I believe that, you know, like Hood's a good player, and I I get all the reasons why, you know, now kind of his, his future role with Utah is in question a little bit because a player that mostly plays his position has emerged as a as a stud and a future star. Um, but Rodney Hood has a lot of value. And the other thing that, that people don't think about with the, the cash, so like everybody talks about how this summer is going to be tougher to find cash um, than previous years. And that's going to impact free agents and restricted free agents. The corollary of that, that nobody's really talking about enough is that means if you like a guy like Rodney Hood, you know, 27 of the 30 teams aren't going to have money this July to go after Rodney Hood in free agency. So Mm -hmm. his, his rights, his free agent rights, his RFA rights and matching rights are actually worth a decent amount in, in this environment, like more than they might be in a year when a third of the league had cap space. If a third of the league, if the third of the league had cap space, they would just say, ah, screw it. I'm not giving up assets. We'll just we'll just call him in July and see if we can work something out. Um, Very few teams can do that. And that's one of the reasons why I think Rodney might be the jazz's best asset today into outside of maybe their, their draft pick their um, their best available asset um, in both basketball terms and asset terms. Um, And, and that's part of the reason why I think it's, it's extremely likely that it's, that he gets traded because he's, one of their most valuable assets. He's also their third best wing right now. Um so, you know, if you've got a guy who is that valuable as an asset and and he he may have reached a point where his asset value is greater than his basketball value because you have Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell, like I, you know, it doesn't give me any pleasure to say this, but I I I think Rodney Hood is the piece. I think he's the piece that Get something semi-substantial done. That not not that I think that the Jazz are going to go out and add some major impact player or a stud, but like if they do something semi-major that that messes with the rotation or the starting lineup in a major way, it's going to involve Rodney Hood going out.
1: Yeah, I would one hundred percent agree with I think everything you said there. Um, he he is. I the said biggest... a lot of things. Well, you did that's why i had to carry out that just to be in case i missed one point and that was the one i disagreed with um yeah he has the he does have the best value especially um at this point i mean I think favors has some very good value too but he's you know paid a good chunk more uh rodney dollar for dollar is a great value somebody can get the inside track on keeping him long term um and we've heard at least two teams that are interested in him so you know the question is you know, can you get a first back from that? Can you get a another young player, somebody you can develop or who is developing, who's just not a good fit with that team? That doesn't quite define Stanley Johnson, who we talked about before. But, you know, somebody kind of like that, um, you know, can you get something like that back and, and hope that that's a better fit with the roster? Because you're right, right now the backcourt is a little crowded. Uh, Rodney probably can play some you know small forward on that, that part of the wing but he gives up a little bit more there uh, especially on the defensive end so I think I mean I, I, I expect he, at this point with the change that you mentioned earlier to the possibilities of Favors getting traded I think Hood is now my top you know if I was laying odds he'd be the highest odds that he's moving on by by this time next week
0: is it? This is a tangent, but is it a little fishy that he keeps getting shut down for games one at a time?
1: Well, I don't know. I, you, I mean, you already know I asked that question, or you and I were bantering about it back and forth on instant messenger. Um, but I also, you know, trust what I do read from from Andy, from Tony Jones, and I think, um, you know, they seem to think that if he's injured, he's injured. Um, Andy Larson mentioned he's seen some workouts where he's limping, so maybe not. the The thing that, had, that just raises a little bit of doubt to me is they keep announcing the day before, and just in general, historically, injuries are decided a little closer to game time. So I, I don't know. I didn't. It didn't make me wonder as much until we started seeing the other players around the league getting held out and basically saying they won't be playing again until either they are. Traded or after the trade deadline, right? Nikola um, so, Tyreek Evans, yeah, right, and uh, Noah. <clears throat> yeah, yep. So, I, I, so I by the way,
0: a, I'm with you. I, I, on top of everything you said, I just don't think it's a very jazz type thing. I don't, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's how they operate. If, which is to say, I, I could see them shutting him down if they had just decided that it was time to move on and they were going to trade him. But I don't think they would. Give him a fake injury to mask the fact that they're just sort of done with him um
1: and if it was really truly a fully fake injury like you said like that uh, they would literally almost be what telling him go out and act like you're injured go out on the limb yeah 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 I mean, <laughs> and, and by the way pro
0: like like people don't think about this they'd probably be committing insurance fraud because they have insurance policies that pay eighty percent of guys um salaries so, uh when they're hurt So, you know, like, I I just don't, you'd you'd have to take a lot of risks legally and and PR wise and otherwise um, to make that decision. I just, it doesn't feel like something the jazz would do. Um, We we started talking about fave a little bit. Um, You know, the deal with fave is, um, is that it, it feels like his future with the jazz beyond June 30th is kind of written whether that's because he doesn't want to stay and back up Rudy Gobert or maybe that's not true at all in fact he says that's not true at all um the, like those were his words not true at all yeah. when he responded to a fan who said is it true that you have decided you won't you know you won't stay in utah um so so but that narrative is out there enough that that tells me that if that if it's not true it's because the jazz are trying hard to justify you know their desire to deal him now um so so because his future past june 30th it, it feels like the jazz will probably go a different direction there's this sense of you know gotta get something now which is a sentiment that i understand but also i i don't agree with it in absolute terms um and I, and I don't think the Jazz can give favors away. So what, what do you think, Ken, is the, um, is the fair return for favors?
1: Well, that's a good one. I really was probably better prepared when I thought about uh, the other guys. With favors, I mean, on talent, you would like to think you get a first-round pick back. But in this market for picks and as a rental, for 32 games or fewer, you, you may not. So you may get um, probably my best bet for it. If you trade favors alone, not, not aggregating him with other players is you probably get one young, good player and then filler Um, may, and, you know, maybe a second, I don't know that you get a first just because of his contract situation. I think Rodney Hood, you might you might be able to grab a first because, like you said, you get, you're giving somebody the first rights to keep him long term. You're not doing that with favor. He's an unrestricted free agent on July first, so I think a first round pick, while on talent, would be fine. Yeah, you're probably not getting that. Okay. Any different thoughts from you?
0: Well, I'm going to go devil's advocate. It's not that I necessarily disagree with you. I just don't like agreeing with you that much. So I know. Um, I know. So. So the devil's advocate answer would be, just like we were saying about Rodney Hood, there might be teams who are interested in acquiring Derek Favors this July first, but don't have a means to pay whatever his market value is going to be.
1: Right. So they do it for bird rights. By
0: acquiring him today, you get his bird rights and then you can keep him for fifteen million or twelve million or twenty million or whatever you're gonna you know think he's right. worth. And and by the way, I think that Favors is exactly the class of free agent that this depressed market is going to hurt a little bit. Like, I don't think he's going to get as much as he might think he's going to get. Right. But so so that's, I think, the one scenario is, um, you know, there are teams who have been rumored to be interested in DeAndre Jordan, in Dwayne Dedman, in Marc Gasol. Those same teams, you know, those teams are out looking for a center who is starter caliber. Um, Derek Favors is that. He's he's a he's a starting center in the NBA and and a good one, um, and so I, I do think that there's a chance that someone that one of those teams who is after a, um, you know who who's after a starting caliber center, um, once DeAndre Jordan lands once Memphis decides what they're doing with Mark, I I do think favors could be part of those conversations. But then when you look at who those teams are, I can't quite construct a deal coming back the other way. Like, like, I don't know. In fact, Zach Lowe made the comment today about Milwaukee. He said, you know, I'm not sure Milwaukee has the assets to get Derek favors. Um, And by that, he means they're not going to trade any of their main guys for, for an expiring contract. So, you know, you're not getting Jabari, you're not getting Chris Middleton. Um, and after that, they mostly have kind of middling guys on low eight-figure salaries. And I'm just not sure that that's, you know, I'm not sure that Mirza Toledovic for Derek Favors gets it done. Um, so that's that's, I think, the hard thing for me. It's not that I can't find value for Favors in this trade market. It's that the places where I see pockets of interest aren't places where there's a really clear deal to be made.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. Because a lot of times you do look and you say that is a good fit and you just can't find the match. You can't, you know, this guy would be fine here, that guy would be fine there, but how are you going to put the deal together, all the pieces, and you just can't find a match? And I I think you're right about that, and I think that will um, hurt his value. And I do think for whatever reason, Folks are hanging on to, from what we were hearing, folks are hanging on to first-round picks this year. Um, I know uh, who just gave one up. New Orleans just gave one up today. but uh, A good one, general, too, although like, yeah.
0: although it was attached to Omer Asik's salary. So I think part no, of it I know. Was, you know, yeah.
1: Well, now, just as we were starting out, I did see, let me see if I can find the tweet quickly. Somebody asked. Somebody floated a Milwaukee deal, and I think the reason why, you know, it was a tweet to Tony Jones, and he said, "Yeah, you probably make that call and just see." And the reason why they it involved the guys you were asking about. there it is. Um, it does involve Jabari. So the first thing you might say is, "No, there's no way that's happening." Uh, <laughs> But the reason this one maybe works is because they're attaching one of the, a bad contract to it. They're saying Delavadova, so Jabari and Delavadova Della for Hood and favors, and a first, which I know the Jazz would be reluctant to give up. But no, I don't think they uh, would be for Jabari. Honestly, I, I think if no, you could. Okay, that's true.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think if you could. So Jabari is a dynamic scorer who was like a twenty point per game guy um, when he was healthy, even though he was still super young and still learning the game and still not that efficient. Like he, like you put him next to Donovan and you've got like a really potent scoring combination. Now he's due for a payday this summer. He's going to get paid. How much he's going to get paid? I right. think that's part of it. But I think you're right in the sense that to get into the conversation on Jabari, and this is even if he's available, we don't know if he's available. Right. I think right. probably, um, eventually Milwaukee is going to have to make one of Chris Middleton or Jabari available for via trade is, is just my guess because, um, when you throw Giannis in that mix, I I just think those are three guys that are pretty similar positionally, you know, they're big wings who can all play some three and some four, um, but are versatile, you know, like they're similar enough and I just don't think they can pay them all. So, um, so which of those two guys are they going to make available eventually? I don't know. I would take either one. I, I, think, I think Chris Middleton is amazing. I think Chris Middleton would be the perfect third guy for this Jazz team next to Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I, th- I might even like Chris Middleton better for the Jazz than Jabari Parker. But I think to get in the conversation for either one, you have to start by offering Fave because they're one of the teams that wants a big. Hood because Hood's the best asset. Right a pick and take back a bad contract. You have to offer those four things or they're not even going to stay on the phone with you. And you still might not be the best offer because if they make Middleton and Jabari Parker available on the trade market, they're going to get flooded with really good offers. Now, I I don't know which of those guys is ultimately going to be the the victim of their cap crunch. Um, But I think that that's a team that you have to keep an eye on. And I agree with Tony. Like you make that phone call. It might be a short phone call, but I do think that that's um, – I do think that if you kind of combine everything, that's, uh, that's the deal you make.
1: Right. And so just in case this happens, let's give credit to at MacAlex23. That's the guy who asked Trib Jazz the question. And um, – so if, he, so, so if it happens, we'll go back and make, give him credit for that, okay. that one. I had not pieced together a trade like that with, with throwing in the bad contract in there. But because of the bad contract in there, that's the one way I could kind of see this one working. And we'd, I don't say that about most trade r- rumors that we see.
0: Yeah. I, I will say I discussed something similar but with Middleton instead of Parker a while ago. Um, but just if I'm them, I, I wouldn't trade Middleton. I mean, like Middleton is a really good player. Now, Middleton only has a year and a half left on his contract. So the risk there is how much do you put together and go get a guy who might play 110 games as a jazz man and then go sign somewhere else? Um, you know, that's something you have to think about. But uh, but yeah, uh, what's, in- what's interesting in that same Zach Lowe piece today on ESPN, um, he talked a little bit about the the Jabari Parker extension negotiations that the Bucks had last fall. And, um, and he mentioned that the Bucks were pretty much not willing to go past $18 million a year for Jabari. Um, that seems low for me, for a guy who was off to the start he was off to after being a number two pick. And knowing yeah. that that's where they valued him in extension talks, and granted, extension talks are different from restricted free agent talks, because in extension talks, you're the only team that gets to talk to your free agent to to your guy but if that's where they were putting his value last october that's what just kind of makes me wonder if hmm maybe have they decided that that he's that he's the guy who is in the grand scheme of things less important than Giannis and chris and the other dudes i i don't know i don't know but i would i would keep them in mind
1: yeah all right, we have one more guy on our top four. Oh, right. Should be a shorter discussion, most likely. Uh, Alec Burks. Uh, my opinion, you know, he's he's filler. If you get really lucky in a in a trade, somebody will take him. I did. I mean, there, there has been talk that there's some some market for wings out there, but um, more than likely, I'm thinking, you know, if you can get a second round pick, but to do that, you probably have to. Uh, you know, for somebody to take on his next year's salary, ideally you could get an expiring back, but I don't know that you know, that that may not work either. I don't know that anybody has a traded player exception big enough to take him for nothing, just a second round pick. So I, I, he's going to be hard to move, but there's maybe a chance.
0: Let me tell you, if there's a traded player available for him,
1: actually I'm looking right now, and there is not the largest one on this list. If it's up to date on BasketballInsiders.com, is eight point three million.
0: Well, there's the 12.5 million. That's expired. There's the 12.5 million that Chicago created today.
1: And and when I said if this is up to date, it is absolutely not. Everyone on this list expired in 2015.
0: So, my bad. The Miritich trade created a 12.5 million exception for Chicago. I'm not sure if they're interested in Alec Burks, though. Um, Right. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the biggest one. There's still 7.3 about left from the Chris Paul traded player exception, but that's not enough, and and um, you know you can't combine. Oh, there's also Mine. there's also a bunch left of the Alan Crab um, TPE. So if Portland is interested in Alec Burks, but but I think they're you know they're they're pretty far into the tax. I'm not sure that they would take on an Alec Burks type player. Um, right. There's a Damari Carroll one in Toronto. If Toronto wants some wing scoring they they do have a lot of guys like that, so there are some TPEs out there big enough for them. They don't line up with the teams that might <laughs> my... sorry
1: Oh, I was just saying my I started laughing because when you said want some wing scoring, my first, my next thought was with no, no with no conscience attached. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry, I, Alec.
0: I'm with you. I, I don't know. Right. I think when the season started, everybody assumed that Alec Burks was a negative trade value piece, meaning something that you would have to attach value to to get someone to take him. I don't know that I believe that anymore because he did have a nice stretch in December. And and now there's rumors of, you know, two or three teams that that uh, where his name has come up. Um, so I think you could you could probably get rid of him in kind of an asset neutral sort of way. But yeah, I, he I don't think I don't think at this point in his career he's he's bringing back a major asset in a trade, especially yeah. if um, you know, especially because he's not expiring. He has one more year left in the low eight figures, and and that's just a lot even for the teams that like him.
1: Yeah, no. So to sum it all up, Burks and Johnson aren't bringing you back really any kind of asset. They might help with making a deal work, but Johnson's going to be easier on that because he's expiring
0: right right um yeah but i but i do think that the jazz are motivated to to move alec for different reasons oh yeah yeah um sure and in fact i think it mostly has to do with with salary stuff um you know that that next season for him is is going to get in the way if the jazz try to uh try to do something with their with their little bit of cap space, he's on the books for 11.5 next season. And I think if you try to dump that in June, you're paying a premium. So maybe dump it, maybe maybe find a way to dump it in February when people are looking for basketball players. <laughs> and yeah. um, and so, yeah, I do think that this is probably their best chance to get off of him in an asset neutral way. And, and I think they know that too. And that's why he's on my list of four guys that I, I think could have a different home address in a week. Right. <clears throat> um, so we've talked about we've talked about the four guys and and what they could bring back. We've talked a little bit as we've gone through about some of the not rumored names that are left as jazz targets, but some of the wish list names. Um, is there anyone else? I, I mean, you know, we've heard Kevin Love's name a little bit. We've heard Evan Fournier's name a little bit. Is there anyone else that just makes you go, that just makes too much sense to not talk about?
1: Uh, No. And I, and neither of those two guys to me. Um,
0: oh, I like Fournier.
1: Uh, I like him, but I'm not sure that he's a big enough upgrade over Hood, who you'd probably be using him to replace, to justify going to $17 million and then and then that going forward. Um that's just my personal thought. Uh, um, I, I, think, I do think, yeah, I do think you like him more than I do, but that that's where I'm at with him. I think Fournier.
0: Um, so yeah, the 17 million isn't great. That's also kind of starter money now. Like, you oh, know, I know. Ideally, you'd you'd have him for 14 or 15 million. Um, but uh, but my thing about him is he's basically what Rodney Hood would be if Rodney Hood were good at the things he's supposed to be good at. You know what I mean? Like he's not better than Rodney at like defense. They're they're both pretty Civ like on defense. No one should expect Evan Fournier to turn into a defensive player of the year candidate. But I think they're they're they've got similar profiles and Evan is just better at consistently delivering within that profile, you know. Um he's a good shooter, he can create a little off the bounce, he you know, um, he actually he, pl- he played a lot of point guard early in his career, so he can create too. Um, the love thing makes less sense to me just because um, he's probably not going to be back for the regular season or much of the regular season anyway. So if you are, if you acquire him, he's not helping you this year. He's under contract for next year and then has a player option. Um, so if you trade for him, you only really know that you're getting 82 games from him, or, or, or that he's available. For 82 games you don't even know that he'll play all 82 next year but um you know 82 is kind of the max you're going to get out of kevin love so i'm just not sure that it makes sense to give up all the assets you would need to give up to get kevin love knowing that he might be an 82 game jazz man
1: agreed unless you could do it for just these four guys who you're looking to move anyway um but i don't know if that works
0: Well, but again, so like, let's say that the Cavs are at a point where they would take, where they would do it for that. You still have to beat 28 other teams best offer. And I just think someone would pwn it, especially like, you know, he's long been rumored to have interest in playing in Portland or LA someday. So, you know, Portland doesn't have Portland, where he's from, by the way, doesn't have a, a cap avenue to get it done as a free agent. So maybe they would put together a better package and maybe they would surrender picks and that sort of thing. Yeah, I just um, I'm not sure that the Jazz can beat the best offer without giving up assets that they'd feel pretty silly about having lost if Kevin Love was only in Utah for a season. Right. But I don't know. Uh, anyway, we were, so I was asking you a question and then we got off on the love and Fournier things. Anyone else that is worth mentioning in our last two minutes?
1: Um, no, no. I mean, the only one thing I was going to say, and I forgot to, when we were talking about the Rodney hood and Stanley Johnson is, um, and this is probably pointless because it's based on an assumption and then based on that assumption, not having changed, but I'll say it anyway my my thought as I looked at that if there's really truth to the Detroit would ch- trade Rodney Hood for Stanley Johnson so if Detroit decided that and Detroit has not changed their mind I know it was only one game but he had a heck of a game the other night right. I think the the game before Griffin got there um, so he, there were a lot more touches to go around so if they were still willing I I, I my feeling is they're gonna find a way to trade hood and so to me that's the floor if it's really true that Detroit is offering that. So unless the Jazz get a better – if the Jazz get a better offer, yeah, he could go any number of places. But I tend to think they would do it. Even though I don't think Stanley Johnson is as good a fit, he has all the flaws he has, I just feel like that's where they're at with Hood and that's probably something that is going to happen there is, I guess, what I'm trying to say.
0: So, so you're saying that even though Stanley Johnson isn't a perfect fit, they would rather give him – a chance to—they would rather give him 30 games to impress and 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 give him a shot than keep chasing the Rodney Hood dream.
1: That's what—that's where I think they are with Rodney, and I think that they would bet on their ability to develop him and on the fact that they have another year. Or not, but then they have, but they own him beyond July first. Sure. So, sure. so they they can do something else with him after February eighth, which they can't with Rodney. Rodney, if they don't do something with him by next Thursday, you know they're just going to play out the season and then and then I mean they do have they own his rights, but there's more time to be able to trade him, do different things with him that don't exist with Rodney. So that's that's my thought that that's the floor. Again, that's all based on the assumption that Detroit has really offered him and Detroit's ready to go. Who knows if that's really true. That was just that Kevin O'Connor. And when we read it right before we started recording, I I thought it was a little more certain than what, what we read, that he was just maybe, po- what did he say, possibly for Stanley Johnson. But he yeah. did say that Detroit covets Rodney Hood. They pulled off one move this week. Well,
0: maybe. I, I mean, I do think that they're ready to move on from Stanley Johnson. That's That's what all the indications are out of Detroit. So whether or not it's true that they are willing to do Johnson for hood specifically, I think they want hood. I think they want to move on from Johnson. So I think that deal does make some sense. And you're right from the Jazz's angle that takes a short-term asset and replaces him with a long-term asset, or at least the long-term potential asset Um,
1: short-term plus one year.
0: Yeah. Um, By the way, Stanley Johnson tonight, this is Thursday night when we're recording this uh, had 14 points, three rebounds and three assists in a 2 point win over Memphis. Shot 2 for 8 from 3 though. That's the that's the wart when you talk about Stanley Johnson. Which,
1: which is what he shot the other night. I mean, percentage-wise, he shot 1 for 4 on his on his big night. So, yeah. yeah. You are certainly not getting the 3 out of him.
0: He, yeah, he's just not going to be great at that. Um so, he's going to be uh this is a terrible analogy um because he's much better than this, but like he's a rich man's Elijah Millsap. Like he's going to defend the heck out of the ball. Um, he's an athlete, he's a slasher, he's a much better athlete than Elijah, but he's just, he's not gonna, he's not gonna win a lot of games from the three-point line. Um, all right, well, we have six days and change to see what happens. Um, I'm sticking by my prediction. I do think that the Jazz will make deals. I think they'll make multiple deals, and I think, um, that they'll do something that messes with the rotation in a meaningful way. I think something will happen um in the next six days ken what's your prediction for the deadline
1: i'm right on board with you i still think you're at least two out of those four and and possibly more we didn't get to this part of our podcast but i mean there are a couple other names that could be on the move we can uh, talk about those later or never but uh, but those but the big four th- those the four names are the ones that are really most likely to uh be headed out of Salt Lake and I and I'm with you I think at least two of them will be maybe 3
0: maybe 4. We'll find out and we'll talk about it when it happens. This is the Salt City Hoops podcast from saltcityhoops.com.